show. My, my awesome. buddy did it for me. Mari, how are you? It's been like so long since I've seen you. I know. I'm I'm good. I'm uh I'm tired of living in my apartment, being stuck in, you know, this whole pandemic situation. I feel like I've been I've been here longer in Los Angeles than I've ever been. Uh and it's starting starting to show starting to show a little wear and tear. But you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, what are you gonna uh, do? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know what? Uh you and I now do not live uh you live in the same place, right? When I, when I stopped uh-huh. by when we worked on uh, gravy together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm like a couple streets away now. Oh, no way. Yeah, that's so awesome. Coffee and stuff like that. But I'd love that. Uh, things are good. Congrats on the Thank movie. You. I really Thank enjoyed you. it. Really enjoyed it. Uh, an adult drama. I don't see this much anymore, so it's pretty cool. It's pretty I know. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely like it's it's been interesting. Sort of the 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 reaction to it. Um, has been very positive, but it's also been interesting because I feel like it's a lot of the analogies are not to films that are modern. It's like a lot of like talking about European cinema, you know, from like the seventies and sixties and and all these things. And so it, it definitely fits within this, this realm that is not as common anymore. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, nobody solved a problem by uh, lifting a car, uh, <laughs> shooting lasers out of their eyeballs. I mean, that's it's. It was great. It was refreshing. Yeah, I, like I, I guess. I guess you missed the post credit sequence where one of them comes <laughs> out as a serial killer, and then I that's, never, the, that's never, the actual sequel. I never watch long enough. Once it once it's credits, <laughs> that's why crews hate me. I'm like, I don't know. Did you work on it? I, I don't want. I, <laughs> as soon as it hits black, I'm done. <laughs> uh, and and congrats! It just it just premiered at South by Southwest. Yeah. Oh my God. That was amazing. I mean, dream come true. Well, it's funny because that, that whole circumstance was that at the 2015 South by Southwest is where I met Matt Miller of Vanishing Angle. Sure. Yeah. And then that's how I got started on swim. And that's how like this film came to be. So really in the end, coming back to South by, I felt like coming back home because like, really, if that situation hadn't happened, I hadn't met Matt, wouldn't have met you, wouldn't have met all these people and yeah, wouldn't have gotten totally. the film made. So yeah, yeah shout shout out to them. They're they're great. They're just they keep pumping out interesting movies. It's great, and you know, love Matt, love love that whole team. Jim Cummings, he's great. Oh yeah, oh, um, Jim. <laughs> so we'll we'll get to the movie, which I I said I love, and I'm I can't wait to talk about it. But I I, I want to get like about your background and stuff and 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 stuff like that because this movie is so personal, and I and I I just I want people to know you, and I want people to know the movie, and it's it's. It's great. So I, I, I can't remember, where are you from exactly? I grew up in the Northwest uh, in Vancouver, Washington, which is about like 20 minutes north of Portland. Right. Um, but then I sort of grew up, I spent some time in New York, spent some time in Hawaii, and then my parents moved down to Florida, and then I went to college in Boston, and then now I'm in Los Angeles. I kind of hit almost all corners except for the middle of America. I'm just kind of like hitting all points. And yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's... It, I, I like living in Los Angeles, though, for sure. You still do? Um, yeah, I've, I've I do. grown tired of it. I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to to bounce. Um, and funny enough, if I remember correctly, because I met your father once, mm-hmm. he is from the same small town that my mother is from, in in Ohio, right? Mm-hmm. Called Adena, yeah. Ohio. Yeah, Adena, Ohio. Yeah. It's 800 people in the town. That was the 2020 <laughs> census. I looked it up. 
800 people and and sounds about right. and two people with parents from there meeting that's those are pretty good odds or pretty yeah. or extravagant odds i would say yeah well it's a, it's interesting too because i think the the northwest and ohio have both been places where i've met and known a lot of people in the film industry yeah. there's something i don't know if it's something about like where those people came from or like the, the history the life history i don't know what it is but mm -hmm. for some reason it's it's really interesting well, for Ohio people, we can't wait to get out. So we're we're gonna go elsewhere. We're gonna go east. Or we're gonna go west. But I was dreaming. <laughs> and when did you start making films? When did when did this this bug catch oh, up? God, I think it. Well, I think I always was interested in telling stories. Like even yeah. when I was in elementary school and and growing up, I I would pick these jobs that I thought I would love. And then when I actually spent time thinking about them, I was like, I absolutely do not want to become a paleontologist or I absolutely <laughs> do not want to become a marine biologist. But I realized that all those, those things that I wanted were from film, were from stories that I had seen like Jurassic Park or like Sequest DSV, things that I fell in love with when I was little. And then sophomore year, I ended up, um, in an accident, not like a terrible one, but I had some surgery. I got this camera as a like a get well gift. And um, I decided to like make my first documentary, which funny enough was produced by my producer for See You Then, Kristen oh, nice. Uno. Oh, cool. Yeah, she was like, kind of like, I mean, we never really like understood what the producing term meant at the time, but I was sure. like, well, yeah, but you like, you organized it, you got everybody, you like sent everybody like a call, you gave everybody a call. Um, and then of course, as I was finishing that first film, uh, the night before it was due, uh, I was using Pinnacle, this editing software, way back when, and they used to like create reference files based off of tapes. Right, yeah. Um, and I put in the wrong tape, and I pressed play, and it screwed up the whole system, and it crashed it, and it destroyed, the whole file got corrupted, and everything that I had edited for the past like two weeks was gone, just absolutely lost. Yeah. Devastated. I cried for hours and then like we had to like put it together. I ended up staying up all night, my first like all nighter editing. Uh, and then like we finished it. I was so tired that I didn't go to school that day, but my like my mom dropped off the tape to the teacher and they were like, well, that's never happening again. You know, that was that was bonkers. And then of course, like the next week I was like, all right, I got these like three shorts that I got to do. I got these two yeah. television commercials. Like I like this thing. The bug bit me so hard. And I just became completely obsessed. I mean, yeah. it was un unhealthily obsessed. And I've been unhealthily obsessed ever since. It's not good. <laughs> it's not a healthy lifestyle. Oh, I think it's, you know. I think it's, I mean, if you got to pick a lifestyle, it's not a, being obsessed with cinema is not a bad one. I don't Fair. think. Fair. And I think that's a great story because I think it's like, uh, did I miss, what was the documentary about? What were you documenting? I was about uh, Buddhism. Yeah, oh, it was like wow. a school documentary about Buddhism. And I was like, I mean, it was supposed to be a paper. And I was like, can I just make a movie? And they're like, yeah, what, who cares? And I was like, <laughs> all right, well, fuck it then. I'm just going to make a bunch of movies. Every school project. Oh, my God. It was so embarrassing. And some of the stuff that we did back then was just so silly. Well, you know? Why were you a practicing Buddhist at this point? Or were you just interested? No, no. It was just, it was like first, it was like we're supposed to be assigned a religion. And, and I think like our group was like, oh, Buddhism. And then I was like, oh, I can make a documentary not having ever made one before. I was like, I can make one. It's fine. And they're like, all right. You know, like our entire grade is resting now on your ability to make this thing. And I was like, yeah, it's easy. I'll just cut it together. It'll be fine. And then, you know, 
And then it was like my, one of my other friends was sitting down. She was sort of like my, I don't know, assistant editor, like armchair therapist. I was like crying. And then she's like, don't forget to save. You got to press, you got to press Apple S, you got to save it. And I was like, oh no, you're right, you're right. And I was trying to save it. And like three in the morning, like desperately trying to finish this thing. It was oh, this is so great, silly. This is a great story. I love it. I mean, it brings me back and not the Buddhism part. Cause I went to Catholic school where they, they don't, they teach you that there's no other religions. They're like, yeah, there's like, no other religions, only guilt. Yeah, yeah, it's just guilt. Don't touch yourself. It's just Catholicism. <laughs> don't ever meet a Jew. They're, it's like, oh, it's, it's, <laughs> I know. Um, it's like, oh, yeah. But I mean, yeah, because my, that's sort of when uh, I started, me and my friend started making movies with my dad's video camera that was like as, as big as a baby. And, oh yeah, uh, but well, we weren't uh, we weren't as sophisticated as making documentaries on Buddhism. All we needed was a pun for a title, <laughs> and then we just we were good to go. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Yeah, well, like my my story has always expanded past the scope of what I was able to achieve. Like like the 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 nuts person that I am. Like it was like one of them was like called O two, and it was like a future it's a, a post apocalyptic future where all oxygen's been depleted from the earth. But people have these like safe houses, which were just by home. And then I like had people like, you know, like people would come in and they'd be wearing masks, which is hilarious because then my, my friend that was in it took a photo of him in a mask when all this was going down with COVID. And he's like, your movie came true. And I was like, yay, okay. And, but it was like this, I mean, it was like this huge thing. We had like one that my friend who took the photo, he was playing two characters. So I was figuring out how to like photograph two people oh, in the same fun. frame. Yeah. And like, and like what a, and his dad was like the old man who was kept in like, he had solved some problem with society, but he was tortured. He was like put into this garage, then he was gonna die because he couldn't breathe the, I mean, it was just absolutely bonkers because it's just one of those things where it's like, you'd think that it'd be like that thing where I'd be like, oh, like just shoot the simple thing. Sure. And like yeah. my scope was always like, just like, let's go as far as we could go. And like, you know, embarrassing my friends and family. <laughs> yeah, I, oddly our characters, uh, in whatever movie it was, we're always eating pizza. So somehow that always coincided with the plot. Uh, do you still have any of those, by the way? I do. I do. I might even. I don't know if I have it here. Oh, actually, I might have it here. This would be great, embarrassing material for myself. <laughs> here it is. Oh, it's on DVD. Oh wow. On DVD, it's oh, a a two disker. Wow, the the, the collector's with, edition with production notes. This is how. Like, I mean embarrassing i mean even like a back cover like explaining the movie and like what the special features are what the film is presented in full screen mat the film is formatted to fit your tv screen man it's just bonkers but it's just you know it's like i had to like you know i had to create this special edition to like send to all my friends i don't know it was absolutely absolutely silly all this time that i spent making all these silly things and we all we all do it, right? We all do we it. Yeah, to. of course. We're all we're all afflicted with the same thing. Like we have to. <laughs> we just have to like yeah. put the, our yes. our thoughts and feelings out into the world. And you know, for most of us, that's a good thing. Yeah, a couple people. <laughs> yeah. We don't we don't need to hear from you. But yeah, for you, yeah. I'm very happy you did it. What well, what like you. what responses were you getting? Uh, from just anybody this like film? Yeah, yeah no I mean like uh, when you were starting out and stuff. Were people oh, encouraging? I would hope so. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were all very. They were all very encouraging. Um, we had. This will be a good story. So um, <clears throat> when at the end of my my high school experience, I decided to like host 
like an awards ceremony for my friends. Like basically being like, here's a nice banquet for putting up with my shit for three and a half years as I like coerced you into doing like 12 movies. And so um, at the time we had this like complicated system. I mean, like all TVs where it's like, if you put in a DVD, you had to switch the TV setting to a different channel. Yeah. But if you were playing a VHS, you could just slot in the VHS and start playing. And so we were setting up this whole thing. We set up this like beautiful projector, our next door neighbor, uh, sold and and projectors like big like the light projector screens is really beautiful and so we set this whole thing up my mom was cr- cooking this feast you know and we had these like silly little awards i was going to basically give out to everybody and as like a thank you and um and so we started playing the films by the time the the party was happening i was watching like of course i was probably watching the negotiator on hbo Good and night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And on the east, on, on the east coast feed, so it was like five o'clock. So it was eight o'clock east coast time. And so we like started watching the movies, and we were like playing them back to back to back. Everybody was having a really great time. The screening looked beautiful. And so then like we go through the thing. We stop. But like credits are rolling for another film from HBO Max or HBO East. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And so then like I'm like, oh, we got this whole other set of VHSs. So we go in and you know push it in, press play, it immediately starts playing. And we're finally getting to like the last one. So now it's like nine o'clock. So it's nine o'clock West Coast time, 12 o'clock East Coast time. And, and we're finally finishing this whole thing. It's so beautiful. It's like the perfect ending to this like really fun day. And like I go and like press stop and I start hearing the sound, but I'm like, what the hell is happening? I look up at the projector and it's HBO East. So it's just porn. <laughs> so porn's just playing all over the screen. And I just go, no, and I jump in front of the screen like a maniac, but I'm wearing an all white shirt. Mm -hmm. So it's just playing on my back now. And I'm just screaming (laughs) it. I'm like trying to rip the screen apart, like this $500 screen. I was like, no, stop it. So embarrassed. So finally they put it on and, uh, and everybody said that no film festival is ever going to top that experience. Yeah. That's how these, that's that's what they should be doing for the Oscars this year. (laughs) Just, yeah, exactly. Just flash a little X hamster from time to time, you know, in between uh, awards. That that is a great story, and That's I so hope to see that someday. I the first the first person I interviewed for this series, uh, Robert Banks, who's a experimental filmmaker from Cleveland. He had a lot of great stories like this when he was a kid. His father would, for his buddies, would like uh, uh, string up old stag films, you know, at parties, and Robert <laughs> would like hang behind the curtain and watch them. And like, because I've thought about this a lot because I, I went to film school in New Orleans and I've never seen this on in a show or in a movie of like the life of a young person trying to make films and what a beautiful shit show it is. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so, oh, it's all over. I mean, oh my God, wonderfully embarrassing. I mean, Humiliating. That, you, but so you just beautiful. told me the climax of that, that movie. I mean, that's such a great it would be it would be yeah. oh god oh it was so it was so embarrassing but so funny i mean my god like i was like i'm never gonna live that one down you know <laughs> uh what were some like movies that you were watching when you were young that really you know you copped to i was a very weird kid and i was obsessed with dances with wolves for wow. whatever reason nice. okay i was four I think five. No, wait, let me think. I was think I was five when it came out. Uh, 
and I became obsessed with it. I learned how to like use the VHS to watch that movie. And I would just sort of slide it in, plop it down. And I'd sit down in front of the TV and just watch it. It's like, you know, it's like a three and a half hour movie. Sure, yeah. But for whatever reason. And then I like have my friends as I was getting older. I'd have my friends come over. I'd be like, hey, you gotta watch this great movie. And they're like seven. <laughs> and they're like, where's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? And I was like, no, but Dances with Wolves is a very progressive <laughs> film. Not at all. But you know, like it's like one of those things where it's like, you're just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I would reenact scenes from the movie. I would wow. like, you know, roll out things and like perform scenes. And so I think like, even before I understood what directing was, I wanted to do it. Because yeah. I understood like, oh, this is what stories are. And like, you could do this to a story. And that's really interesting. And, um, and I mean, I, but I also kind of loved everything. I think I'm still that way. I will mm -hmm. literally watch anything. And uh, my, one of my family friends always give me a hard time. And she said, you know, you always give every movie four stars. And I'm like, because every movie's great. I was like, every movie's wonderful. What am, what am I going to not like about a movie? I think that's um, a healthy attitude, especially when you know how hard it is to make one. Yeah, you yeah, know, like, yeah. Just oh like you God. pulled off a miracle, like, you know? Yeah, it's like, it's, it, you have to. Like, you have to have a love for it, you know, at that point. It's like, it's not just about, like, what's good and bad. It's about all the other things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because especially when you can watch a movie and you really feel like you're learning something about the creator, there's nothing better. And like film is the best medium for that. Like mm -hmm. even like actually tonight, you know, my best friend is coming over and every Friday we watch an Andy Sidaris movie. I don't know if you know who Andy Sidaris is, but directed like um, uh, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. That's one of his most famous ones. Malibu Express. These just really okay. cheesy yeah, yeah action movies there's like the plots are like actually they're as close to like a thomas pinchon novel without the literary technique i mean it's like they're so <laughs> they're so convoluted it's like he's introducing characters every three minutes and you're just like who the hell is this but but it, there's like great laughs in it but you're you're able to watch and you're like oh this is what this guy loves which is one naked women but two uh, easy, like weird ways to like assassinate people. And it's like, it's, it's personal, you know? And that ranges from him to Terrence Malick or, you know, uh, Ava DuVernay or whoever, you know? And that's what's great about this medium. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dances with Wolves, I would, not have, I would not have guessed that in a million years. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there are definitely certain points. Like I remember like the first time, like I held like, the Jurassic Park VHS tape in my hands, mm -hmm. you know? You hear that like clicky clack thing that like it does when you like yeah, rotate, yeah. oh, oh. And like the first exhibit that I saw for a film, I think was like the Lost World in New York City. And that was like, that was just, oh, it was like heaven. Just like seeing like all the animatronics they were using and all that stuff. And then I got like kind of obsessed with that process, but that stuff wasn't as big when we were growing up, basically until like maybe the late 90s, early 2000s when DVDs started coming out yeah. with special features where we were able to see the process outside of those like one hour specials that would occasionally show up on television or like yeah, on yeah. HBO or whatever, you know? And they were always, yeah, those specials were always weird because they're because they didn't always follow the movie or they just didn't have context. So you're just like watching yeah. the making of, it's like, oh, just watch the making of uh, RKO 281 or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. I actually do use one of those as an example of my own, like, developing love of film. When I was a kid, the family watched Jaws 3 on TV. It was like a matinee, or not like, a, you know, that Saturday matinee on the TV. And it scared the shit out of me. I was just terrified. 
And I was like holding my mom the whole time. I was like, I'm never going near water again. And then uh, the movie was over. They all left to do whatever. And I was just still sitting there on the TV and they ran the making of afterwards. And so I just watched it and I was like, oh, this is all fake. Like I had never put that together. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to do that. Also hilarious that, and I always have to be honest, it was Jaws 3. I don't want to be cool and be like, oh, I saw Jaws when I was like, no, (sighs) it's all three. And it's terrible. (laughs) It's terrible, terrible, but I'm sure the, I'm sure the behind the scenes was pretty funny. So, you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, I think everybody in that sea world got fired. Uh, (laughs) Hold on one second. Somebody's stealing a car. Okay. Oh no. Um, where was I? I lost my train of thought there. Uh, uh, Jurassic, Jaws 3, Jaws 3. I finally saw Jaws 3 actually last year. That was the first time I finished all the Jaws movies. Like that's sort of great accomplishment of watching things. But, um, but you know, had to do it, had to do it. What was, your, what was your watch list? Uh, by the way, and I Oof. do know that you love a lot of movies because you have one of the most impressive DVD collections. Thank you. And yeah, I remember the it's... first time when we were working together and I stopped by your place. I think I like for the first five minutes was just like, oh man, look at that. Oh, this movie's great. This movie's great. Very oh, impressive. No, it's... Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I've, well, that was one of the things while I was making the film uh, that happened uh, that was particularly humorous was uh, I, uh, you know, I mean, right after we finished filming was February 1st and then COVID was March 15th, I think was about the time when it, yeah. when it finally things locked down in Los Angeles. And, uh, and I was like, nobody can like, I can't go to like Vanishing Angle to do review screening for the film. Like everybody's quarantined. And then I was like, nobody's like around to like supervise me editing. And then I was like, well shit, like I guess I'll just edit the movie on my own schedule. And then I was like, well, if I'm at home and I can't go anywhere, I might as well just watch every Oscar winning and nominated Best Picture nominee and just do that. And that's exactly what I did. That's what, that's I, finished did. Watching, nice. I finished watching all of them. Uh, so last year, I'll have to, let me find the official number for this because I, I do want to get it right. Because mm-hmm. it is, uh, as you'll see, it's just a deeply unhealthy thing. Um, I watched 1,315 feature films last year. Wow. Yeah. Very unhealthy. Very unhealthy. I don't think. I think Martin Scorsese would be like, "Hey, you gotta keep up. You gotta." <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that man dug in hard and just <laughs> just went through a jam. Oh, oh my gosh. My question for him would be like, "What haven't you seen? Like, what are you like? I guess maybe there's something, but." Yeah, I mean that's that's a scary thing for me. It's like I I've I mean 1,315. That was one year. I mean each year I watch. I don't know, at least 500 movies at a minimum. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I, and, I, and I finished all that and I was like, great. And then I like looked at like the Criterion Collection. I was like, there's still like 800 movies on this list that I haven't seen. Yeah. And I was like, that's crazy. And now that there's just so much content, it's hard to keep up. Was there yeah. anything that was like a revelation to you in that year? Oh God, so many. Um, I think like, especially like after... George Floyd was murdered. I kind of like had that moment of self-reflection where I was like, I don't know as many black filmmakers as I should know. Okay. Yeah. You know, like Mm -hmm. Gordon Parks or Julie Dash or, you know, like 
I mean, so many, and I, I basically just went and jammed through as much as I possibly could. And I found like just this, I mean, Daughters of the Dust, I'm, I'm a fool for not having watched that earlier, but that movie is just, I don't even know how to contextualize it. It's, it's so beautiful and like, I don't know. It's I've like, seen that. Is that a Charles Burnett? It's a it's a Julie Dash film, okay. and it's from like the 1980s, I believe. Um, but it's oh, it's so good, and it's like got this. I don't know. It's just it's like it's so surreal almost, but it's it's so beautiful and like and touching. Um, the piano was another one that I missed out on for years that mm-hmm. I saw last year. That was like oh my god, like that. There's certain films that I like really connect with that are rare where it's like, I'll cry spontaneously during the movie just because it's so beautiful. Yeah. And that was one where it's like, they're on the beach and she's playing the piano and like Anna Paquin's like running across the beach. And I just burst into tears and I was like, oh my God, what the hell? And you know, I mean, but that was such a crazy year. That was the same year uh, Schindler's List came out. That was the same year Jurassic Park came out, I believe. Is that 93, um, yeah? Yeah, 93. Yeah. And I was like, because I was like, this is an outrage. Like, how could she not have won Best Director? And it was like Schindler's List. And I was like, God, never mind. Wow, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> what a year. <laughs> like, good Lord. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's talk about See You Then. Yeah. Let's talk about the genesis of this. Um, what, what uh, like I said, I mean, it's to me, because I know you a little bit, it's a very, it seems like a very personal movie. Um, yeah. What, 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 compelled you to to write this and you co-wrote it with uh who was it again i'm sorry kristen kristen uno yeah 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 um i had you know always wanted to make films since i was in high school and and i wrote out a bunch of scripts that i thought were pretty neat uh and then i came out to la and i was like check out these scripts and everybody's like i don't care and i was like cool what can i do to make you care and it was like one of those things where it was like the the ambition for all those scripts was great, but couldn't be done by a first time filmmaker, much less somebody who's biracial and transitioning, you know, like coming into that situation. It was like, you know, the, the odds are sort of against in many ways. Mm-hmm. And um, and I thought like, God, I what I really should do is just focus on doing a chamber piece. Yeah. Like just doing like a conversation film um, between two people. And I felt like it would be a good art therapy because I think at the time I was just struggling a lot and coming to terms with like choices I had made in my own life. Like, you know, like I was like, oh, I've, I've committed myself so far to like making the stuff that I've like put surgery on the side or I've like put certain things in my life in the back burner. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to have a family or kids, much less kids. And, and it was all these feelings of like inadequacy and, and disappointment, but also like hope because like, I was, my life was leading in the direction of telling stories, which is what I've always wanted to do since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the film kind of became like a form of art therapy where Kristen and I, because she was living with me, would sit down and sort of talk out all these questions. And one of the other questions that I had too was like, what are the, what are the, what are the points in which I can like, you know, defend choices that are made by people? And, and what are the lines that I feel like could be crossed that I, I would be hurt by. And I think particularly that choice that Naomi makes from that, you know, I kind of imbued Chris with my personality. And I think a lot of Kristen was in Naomi's personality and then we sort of merged them and 
and then we start building them out and then you know you fall in love with the characters and you know and you want to tell the story because then they become their own thing right that's the beauty right. of writing yeah you know yeah. it's when all of a sudden like a line will come out and you're like oh my god like that wasn't something i thought of but it just sort of spontaneously like appeared yeah you know it's the magic of mm. writing sure yeah yeah um and i i love movies that are mostly dialogue and so I was, I was very like happy to watch this. I was like, oh, this is great. I, I can watch two people talking for, I mean, 90 minutes or, you know, 20 minutes, you know, yeah. two hours. But I mean, it was, it's, it's great. And um, I want to get to the process of that a little bit of like, because this is something I've done. I've written scripts with a partner where it's all dialogue. How did you both craft this? Were you, mm-hmm. were you did you bring actors in to kind of run through it a little bit? you know, walk me through that. Yeah, there was, it was interesting as we were heading into like working on it. Um, one of the things that Matt had proposed to me early on was like maybe even running it as a play. Yeah. And sort of working our way through it. And I always felt like, I was like, I just kind of wanted to just be cinema. If it's a play, then it's a play. And I'm adapting my own work almost for like from stage to screen. And I was like, ah, I think I'd rather just to make it into one thing, have two performers actually perform it. And then that be it, hopefully. Um, I think that um, a lot of the writing was was from a place where I I felt like coming into making this film, I felt like writing was my or like dialogue was my weakest suit. Okay. Like out of all the things, I was like, okay, I I think I I can get a grip on story. A lot of it came from editing, mm-hmm. where I was like, okay, like I've seen how all these things, like I've seen how the pudding gets made, like I. I know where this point is or that point, but it was always dialogue was something that really scared me. Um, so what Kristen and I would do is we'd, we'd read the script out loud um, and we'd read it to each other. And it was a process that we started probably, I would say about like two or three drafts into, into, into the film. And I hated it. I hated it. Yeah. I hate it. Oh my God. I hate, I mean, you know, <clears throat> I hate hearing the sound of my own voice. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's like one of those like jokes that I make where it's like, I feel like I've acted so long in my life that I've just, I'm done with, I've retired from acting because that was my, that was my fake persona that I lived for so long to like appease everybody, um, pre-transition. And so I was like, oh, you know, and, and so it was very crushing, but I think in that way it, it actually helped because I think if we had actors read it, they would imbue it with a certain sensibility and personality and actual like acting technique. Yeah. to where they could kind of paper over like the things that didn't make sense but okay. since it was like me with my like honking voice it was like so obnoxious to me when i play it back i'd be like don't like that line don't like that line cut this thing this is stupid and kristen said that she finally felt like we got to the place where the script was feeling ready when we were reading it back and and we got into this point in the script writing process and i got I got into the character and I, and I would usually play Chris and she'd play Naomi. And, and I just started going off book and like started talking about things that happened in the script that we hadn't, or in the story that we hadn't touched on, like in the actual dialogue that we had written. And then she's like, I think, I think it feels ready. If you're, if you're willing to take the material and say, let me find a way to evolve it. Then it's like, I feel like it's ready for actors to actually come in and, and be able to deliver that information. But it also made like the the auditioning process really fascinating because we hadn't had actual actors perform any of this material before. 
Yeah. So it was really, it was almost like a workshop for me, which is great because, you know, just going through those scenes over and over and, and having that ability um, was really helpful. I, well, I think you did the right, I think you nailed that because the, the dial, this movie's so dialogue heavy and it, there's no false notes. And I think one trap that writers can get into is when characters know each other. And when characters mm-hmm. are like, ah, remember mm-hmm. we used to do this? And it's like, ah, it doesn't feel, doesn't feel real. You know what I mean? Like feels written. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's also a testament to your two actors. But, uh, no. but yeah, it's, 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 it's very you. extremely naturalistic. And it was very lived in, if, I guess, if that's maybe the right uh, adjective. You know, the first half has a very link letter vibe of, you know, before sunrise and stuff. And just two characters easing back into each other. You know, I, I really enjoyed that. And I think uh, the opening, is it the, it's the opening scene. When, they, when, they, when they're at the restaurant hmm. and they're, they're talking to each other, you, it's so shot and edited perfectly. Like um, when you go into the close-ups, the, that was like attention grabbing. I'm telling you, like Thank I you. was like kind of watching Thank this and I was like, oh, here we go. Like we're, I need to know what they're saying here. I need to, this is very important. And then um, what, there's like, the, there's a shift in dynamics between the character in that scene. And then you change angles. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, this it was like a masterclass scene. I mean, oh. excellent, excellent job on that. I, I just, I loved it. I was like, yeah, that's great. Well, thanks. I, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of planning. That was, uh, I'm, I'm so glad that, that you saw that in it. It it was definitely one of those uh, sort of the, the biggest, one of the biggest challenges that we had was like just trying to like keep that, keep that perspective and keep that pace going, particularly in the opening scene, because that was, that was one of the hardest to edit. I would say we cut about seven minutes of dialogue from that opening. Um, but it was just a lot of like careful slicing. But there were times where it was like, no, we have to commit to this thing because we have to commit to the structure where it is like when it's punching in, which moments to pay attention to, which moments they're pulling out, which parts they're engaged in, which parts they're not, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and one, another little pleasure I had, um, this is so minor, but characters smoking for pleasure. Not for villainy, <laughs> you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think yeah. that's, I can't even remember the last time I've seen that where characters are just, and I'm not even a smoker, I don't even really like cigarettes, but uh, I was like, oh, that's a, yeah. that's like a nice touch. <laughs> it might be a weird comment, but. No, I, I, I appreciate that. I actually hadn't really thought of that before. Like, I hadn't quite thought of it in that context before. That's true. I haven't seen that a lot lately. Huh, yeah. It felt, it felt like, you know, it's like, it's also like kind of going back, hearkening back to that period of time when you're in college and you're kind of like bumming cigarettes off each other. Not that I smoke either, but like, you know, I remember in, in Boston, like all my friends like congregating in like the front of a little building and all smoking cigarettes. I never got, I never got cigarettes. No. I never, like I'd, all, all my friends growing up would smoke and oh, I was like, what are you, what are you, what, 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 what's the uh, selling point here? Mm-hmm. Other than it looks cool in movies. Yeah, it's it's the most uh, it's the it's the worst like product to ever in in uh, have because you're like yeah that that looks cool that looks cool yeah exactly um how did um how did how did you put this movie together in terms of uh, I know you crowdfunded a little bit is that right 
We did a crowd investment through WeFunder, which was okay. really great. Um, what I love about WeFunder, and I'm sure uh, other companies will follow suit, but it's about crowd investment or crowd equity and not crowd funding. And what's always hard for me when it comes to shorts and when it comes to like stuff like that, you know, I think I think it's great to fundraise through Kickstarter because, you know, you're not really going to make any money off of a short, right? realistically, right? Mm -hmm. um, but with a feature, I always felt like I kind of had the stopping point because it was like, well, if it's a feature and, and I'm asking people to like give me money, but then all I'm giving them is like a copy of the movie and like a, a prize almost essentially afterwards, like it felt like it never equated to the amount of money that I would need somebody to invest in a product or a film that I was making. And so when WeFunder came along, it was like this idea of like you invest $100 minimum and you basically own a share of the film. Mm -hmm. So when the film comes back, you know, the hope is to like make back that money and additional. Um, and then it felt like a lot easier for me to communicate to people like, hey, I'd really love for you to invest in this film. Yeah. Versus like, hey, I'd love for you to donate to my like campaign for my and self-interest it's like then my whole thing was like well then i can make you money that's my job is to make you money and i was right. like that felt so liberating um that it made it easier and then of course it was like you know we were trying to get that ready we were trying to cast the film we were trying to figure out the locations uh kristen had moved to to nashville in the meantime and like matt was of course working on so many projects and mia was working on other projects and we were trying to figure out like the right time to do the WeFunder campaign. And then we ended up starting it in December or November, which is like such a rough time because of course everybody is like getting ready for the holidays, mm -hmm. you know, and all that. And then we we're like, okay, like now it's gonna sort of in some ways collide with our shooting schedule. But as long as we're able to like raise enough capital to like film the film, then we're fine, which we did, which was great. But then like, but then came like, okay, we're gonna finish the film. And I was like, great. After we finish the film, I will have, I'll be editing it, but I'll have time to sit mm -hmm. down and be like, all right, let's really focus on this campaign. Let's do some video content. Let's record me editing the film or whatever, right? And I had all these plans and <laughs> goals and then COVID hit. And then it was like, ah. Uh. <laughs> so then I like, we had to sort of put fundraising on pause again because I was like, well, it's not appropriate to be trying to raise money when, you know, thousands of people are dying every day. Sure. You know, and so then like things settled down and then I was like, great, now we can start raising money again. We have like till August and this was like in June. And then of course, George Floyd was murdered. And then I was like, well, now it doesn't feel like an appropriate time to ask for money now because the money should be going towards these communities and towards these folks and, 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 and not towards like a film. And so then we had to kind of wait a little bit more. And then we finally got to the place of, of finishing our fundraising that we we're able to get, um, in addition to the WeFunder, the rest of our budget, which I was so grateful for. Um, but it was definitely like one of those experiences of like the worst timing for each sec each sequence of like the chain to happen in. But right. uh, but also through that process, we got like a lot of really passionate people who who really love the film and want to support it, which is so awesome. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. and it's also like I think it, it just it is easier to like get to that place of of asking for more more money as an investment. And now I think WeFunders raised it to 2.5 million. You can raise that amount on there, which is oh, wow. fucking great for film. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's, a, that's, a, that's a great business model. I, I haven't really looked into that too much. But yeah. yeah, that's much better that if you have equity than I never got Kickstarter because I never understood why would anybody 
just give you money with the hopes of like a t-shirt or something like that's not right right and as a filmmaker i like you said i want people to make money you know i want to be able to make something that people could be like yeah i put in a thousand bucks and came out with five and that's almost as gratifying as making a good movie is making yeah. people the money you know yeah 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 exactly and 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 that's what, yeah, I, I highly recommend WeFunder to, to folks that are raising capital because they really think it's a, it's a smart move. And it's also like not one that's been saturated by film. Yeah. Like I feel like at this point, Kickstarter is pretty saturated to the place sure, where yeah. it's like, you know, if you're, if you're getting an email from it, you know, it's like, okay, like we're, we're still doing the Kickstarter thing, which is great. But uh, with WeFunder, since it's so new, I think there's kind of this like newness, everybody like on the platforms excited about cinema. And of course, Beta Test uh, did it through WeFunder as well for Jim's last film. And that went really well, and they sold it uh, to IFC. Oh, nice. So, Excellent. Yeah, what, um, what was your shooting schedule? How many days? We are 13 days, which was very short. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had the first, the first week was pretty much all restaurant stuff. The second week was the bar stuff. And then the third week was kind of a scattered shot of... All the rest of the scenes and the fight at the end yeah yeah again you know kudos i mean it's it's a two-hander it's a dialogue heavy movie but you made it cinematic there's there's nice camera moves there's again like i said the opening sh uh scene there's it's thought out the shot selection and stuff like that it's it, this isn't clerks which you know i loved as a kid but this isn't you just didn't put up a camera and said all right start talking so I, I, it's not, it, it's very moody. It's a very moody movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. The score is great. Oh yeah. Bob, oh, Robert Lair. Yeah. That guy knows the stuff. Yeah. Very, very good. I loved, I loved the, like, even just from the opening credits, which is that, uh, how would you describe it? Cause it comes back later in the third act, right? The, the lights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you're yeah. just getting, you're just instantly you're like, okay, this is, this might be heavy. This might be, you know, it's, it's it, well, well, well done on that. Thank you. Yeah. That opening, that opening took a while to figure out actually. That was one, that was, that was probably the biggest shift that we had from script to screen or script to the edit. Um, okay. How so? Yeah. The opening sequence was um, initially like a, a montage sequence set around these very specific shots that we were hoping to get on set. Um, but a lot of it was based off of this other version of the performance piece at the end that, uh, that Naomi does. Mm -hmm. um, and once we got on set and we were actually doing it, the whole, the whole design of the performance piece shifted to such a degree that the stuff that we got wasn't as like opening flashy as like we had originally anticipated. So a lot of it was like, I think at one point I had like, 20 or 30 different openings and so what i do is i like upload them all and then i send them to like our creative consultant our dp jordan perot our producers of course and and then we'd all like go through and like write down which ones were our favorites and then we kept on narrowing it and narrowing it and then i got to this place where it was like i was like what if we just did something very abstract but it like called back to the original like to the ending of the film and everyone's oh yeah yeah and so i i ended up like pulling a shot that we don't use in the film, rotating it 90 degrees, magnifying it by 700% to get the strip of light. And then I multiplied all the strips of light and I started arranging them in these places. And then I found like, and then I like called up our DP and I was like, you know, still during the pandemic. And I was like, do you have any lights at home? 
And he's like, yeah. And I was like, go film some lights, film color, do something, Jordan. And he's like, okay. So he was like filming stuff. And then like, I was like t- designing the lights and, and we just, it just kind of became this mosaic, but it was like a weekend of just almost like borderline, like just, just <laughs> emotional breakdown because I was like, something's got to work for the opening. And then we like put this thing together and I was like, I think this works. And then, and it was nice because it does have that like callback to the end. And, and yeah. I think that it just was something that we had never anticipated, but you know, that yeah, beauty so, is- so works with the music. Expression. It's so, it's beautiful, but also again, heavy you know like it, it's yeah. just you're like you know you're gonna be uh in for a dramatic ride which was which was real nice and i want to point out a moment that i love and maybe i'm seeing too much into it but i, I don't know it was uh uh it's at the bar naomi and chris are talking and she naomi has been asking chris about uh relationships relationships she's been in and mm-hmm. and chris mentions having just gotten out of one recently and that she was in it for a year and a half i think is the time and naomi says that's such a long time or that's a really long time and chris does this hard swallow on her drink it was just a very nice very nice moment i mean am i looking in, way into that or i don't know it seems no no i mean, I mean <clears throat> that was sort of the the beauty of it was that um was that uh, Lynn and Puya both uh, imbued the characters with so much. I think that was actually stuff that was really designed by the two of them. Um, you know, while we were in, we we did like a rehearsal week, which, you know, even for like an independent film is pretty yeah. like rare because you don't really have any time. Uh, and and we really sat down and, but we we went over the script, but really what we, what we did was we didn't really like reread the lines like a million times. So what we did was like, go into each line and be like, okay, what can we tether to like the history of this character? Um, and then I came to find out, which I'm sure I kind of like knew in the back of my head, but I it hadn't been vocalized to me, but as we were doing the press stuff, uh, Len and Puya expressed that they had actually, through the entire making of the film, would text each other like late at night or like just before they're going to bed, like, what do you think about this line? What do you think about that thing? Do you think we could imbue it with this thing? Um, and that was just so beautiful. It's like, yeah. I mean, even that alone, um, being a director, it's like to have collaborators who are that emotionally invested in the material that you're making uh, is hard and it's rare. And, and to have that was just, it wouldn't have been the right movie without them, you know? They're both terrific. I want to say their names, the full names, because I don't know if I've said, we've said it yet. So it's Lin Chen and Puya, how do you say Puya's last name? Puya Maseni. Yeah, they're both, they're both terrific in it. Uh, oh, they're so good. Yeah, I, I, I loved them both. Um, and so this has all been leading up to this. It's a slow boil to act three, which gets very heavy. And oh, r- real quick, I want to go back to that bar scene we were just at real quick. Another moment I loved was Chris describing uh, learning how to do makeup and mm-hmm. wardrobe. I just, that was great. Oh, I was yeah? just, so I probably could have listened to that for another 20 minutes. Yes. I'm just like, awesome. that is getting to know people. That is getting, you know what I mean? Like there's just, uh, it was, it was beautiful. That was a beautiful moment. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's all leading up to this act three. It's where, where was the shot? It was like a, what, what college were you at? Uh, it was shot at the Barnstall Arts Center. Um, oh, like uh, right okay. in Hollywood up in the, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, 
And so we, we kind of filmed like a hodgepodge of like all places that we filmed in Glendale, Burbank, downtown, Hollywood, and San Dimas. Doesn't look amazing. like LA at all. So good job. Yeah. That was cool. I didn't know that awesome. at all. I was like, I thought you went somewhere to go shoot this. Um, yeah. yeah. That, that scene is, uh, it's intense. It's a very intense scene. They're both very good in it. I don't really yeah. want to spoil anything for people who are, you know, going to listen to this and then go watch it. But, um, I'm trying to think what, like, what movie was I thinking of? Oh, did, again, link letter. Did, did you ever see tape? Oh yeah. Tape. Oh yeah. Yeah. Link reminds letter. me a lot of that movie. <clears throat> Of just like awesome. it just yeah, it just boils into this thing, and then it's in in uh, what's the what's the word I want to use? It's not a not a I mean I guess it's like a trick you pulled or whatever. But we're we're watching two characters have a pretty nice evening, right? But there are things boiling up underneath. There's 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 tensions that they don't really want to get into. But by the time we're in the third act there's no escaping it. And you've put us in this environment of the Barnsdale park and there's, there's flapping uh, flags or I don't know what the, what that was exactly, but, um, and then the colors are changing and we're too invested to leave is what I could say. You know what I mean? It's like, we have to, we, we have to, as, as painful it is to now watch two people go at it. Uh -huh. I have to, I have to see it through the end. And I, watching it, I can, I, my thought was, you know, the only people who can truly hurt you in life are the ones that love you. Uh, yeah. 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 Very true. Unfortunately, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. And it's, uh -huh. um, yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. movie. I mean, what, oh, like, uh, what were you thinking of when you were writing that? I mean, like walk me through this, process because this is a yeah i mean it was it was hard to it was hard to write there was one big challenges with writing that end is because there is so much overlapping dialogue yeah of like studying like how fights are constructed because to be honest i don't have that many fights in my life i mean you know like i'll i'll disagree with somebody but on yeah. a friendly level or if like i'm working Usually I'm not in a position of power to like really speak out about how I really feel about things. So mm -hmm. I usually I'm just like, oh yeah, you know. Um, and so there's like a a level of like where I really had to go in and like study how yeah. fights are constructed. So I basically like put together like a string out of like the biggest heavy hitter fights that you could possibly like, you know, um, Revolutionary Row, like all these different films. And I would like watch them and digest them and think about how fights are constructed and how people how people do those things. And it got to that point of technicality where it was like easier to write because then it was like, okay, how do I one thing on top of the other? Mm -hmm. And then it was like a lot of then like going in and like putting in those personal touches and in those emotional, like hard hitting things. Um, it was hard to write. It was harder to watch perform than it was to write. Yeah. Um, I think that you think that they're, you know, like, I mean, I think every film does this to varying degrees, but I think like every film, it's like kind of investing a part of your soul into the film, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and whether that comes out on the page on the screen. And that was one where it was like, I think particularly that there's a take that's in where it's like the emotion uh, from, from both of them are like, like at the peak. Yeah. And we were doing that take and, um, 
just felt like a, my heart was sort of being pulled out of my chest. And then I was like looking at it and I was like, after the take ended, I just sort of wandered off for like five minutes, sort of stared at walls, just trying to process like how that felt and like, you know, how the character felt and like what the performers were bringing, but also like what I was feeling and what I felt about the experience. And, um, and uh, my, my AD, who is also my producer, yeah. Shulman, uh, came over and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I just need like, give me five minutes. Let me, let me compose. Um, because it was, it was a lot of, it was heavy. And it was, I really feel it not only between Lynn and Puya, but also just really with the rest of the cast and crew. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I can imagine it was tough, so. Again, kudos. Mm-hmm. You really you, you pulled it off. I'm, I'm I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for it uh, premiering at South by Southwest. I'm just I can't wait for it to get out in the world. Thank you. Um, can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Do you have any idea what? I got a couple. There's a there's a young adult uh, trans story that I I'm really connected to that I'd love to make. Um, it was actually a thing I was hoping to make before we see then, but it was kind of like that like last vestige of like maybe this budget? And they were like, no, like, never mind this budget. And they're like, yeah, I guess. Um, so uh, that one I'm really excited about. And I also have been working on like a horror movie. There's something that's very different than, than See You Then. See You Then really like lives in that formalist sort of quiet thing. And I'm like, I want something as sharp and modergy and like intense and scary. Um, that would be really fun to make. But I'm also down to direct anything. My God, like, it's been a year, but it's felt like a lifetime since we've all been stuck in our phones and it's like just driving all of us crazy. It's too much. Awesome. I got one more question. I've been asking every filmmaker that I've been talking to. What is your favorite Scorsese movie? Oh no. Oh no. Oh shit. <laughs> What's oh, great, no. so there's no wrong answers. Oof. They're all good. There are no, yeah. Even Kundun. Kundun's good. Kundun's good. Yeah, Kundun, good that score and like yeah. the cinematography. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I rewatched that recently. Actually, I, huh? Wow, shit. I mean, hmm. My critical, my critical brain is going to Taxi Driver. Okay. Because that's just like my my fuck around, let's have fun brain is going definitely to to The Departed. That's so good. Uh, oh, I'm glad. Uh, so yeah, good. I mean, you know, like like when when Jack Nicholson like goes and he's having that cringe, and he just like throws it off. <laughs> Don't move till you're numb. Oh my God! Like, see anything you like, Colin? But so, oh my God, it's like, that movie is outrageous. It's um, so it's so. Here's what's great about The Departed, because I don't think a lot of people really dig it. I think they kind of like ah, The Departed. The Departed is the best example of you can turn the sound off and watch it silently and you know exactly what's happening. Mm. And that's the sign of great. So true. Every shot you're like, I can follow this. I know what's going on. Yeah. No, it's so true. I would say, I would say that to to round that out though, and I know this is not really a fair answer because I'm like mentioning too many, but um, the one that hit me the hardest was probably silence. Silence in that, in that movie that really fucked me up. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then the best scene work ever done, I think, is The Irishman. There's stuff in that movie that's like unfathomably, as far as I'm concerned, like from all all groups. But it's uh, 
that and it was also like that yeah. special place in my heart because that was one of the last times I was, I was at the Egyptian and I like went and like went to go see it in line with this person in front of me who looked like literally straight out of the Irishman <laughs> straight up gangster and I was like I was like what an interesting like why a black trench coat in five degree weather in Los Angeles but I was like you gotta do what you gotta do you know and uh but oh my god oh that scene the scene with um with Al Pacino and 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 uh, after like the when he's trying to convince him like you know you gotta like you gotta, you gotta calm down you gotta like let's he's like I can't calm down like what are you talking about <laughs> the look the look on De Niro's it's like yeah and De Niro does that thing that's just so damn good of his like you could see like all the you could see every thought that's happening in his mind and you could read it yeah and so hard read actors emotions in that way. And only few few can really do it that effectively. But in the same way that he did that in Raging Bull, the, the scene when he goes and talks to, um, my God, I'm forgetting the name of the actress, Kat, Kathy Moriarty? Or, yeah, Moriarty, yeah. Yeah. When, when he's like watching her and he's got his like finger through like the fence the, and he's sort of like, and you see him and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. and it's like, you could see it in his head like, oh, I'm going to come up with something funny. She's gonna love this. She's gonna love this. She's gonna think it's. She's gonna think I'm the funniest person on the planet. And it's like doesn't see that, but he's just emoting. And I'm like, how the hell do you do that? That's just bonkers. It's crazy. All right, but anyways, I yeah, that's my super long-winded answer. <laughs> I'm not even sure which one. I love. I I don't even know. I mean, you know what? I'm gonna I gotta pick one totally outside of that. I'm gonna pick Raging Bull because I think okay. Raging Bull actually is his masterpiece. But yeah, I, and uh, everyone that you mentioned is great and. Yeah. Jumping the Irishman, I wish he would have gone in on the medium when he's stomping the guy on the sidewalk. I don't get it. Marty, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. Cut in. Yeah. It Fair. looked like it looked Fair. like too old of a guy to do that. But other than that, all masterpieces. Yeah. Congratulations again. It was great talking Thank to you. you. And let's uh yeah. let's grab that coffee soon. Yes, I would love that. Absolutely.